It's the most popular sport on the planet, with an estimated 4 billion fans worldwide. But not everybody grew up watching or playing soccer, particularly here in the U.S. I sure didn't. I made fun of soccer, called it boring, hard to follow, and not as entertaining as football, basketball, or baseball. But thanks to some basic education about the game and a few viewings of English Premier League matches, I realized I had been wrong all those years, and I became hooked. It's a far more compelling sport to watch than I used to think. Tense, exciting, and when played by the great ones, graceful and elegant. This show is for anybody who's curious why so many people love this game. It's for new fans of the European club teams looking for analysis that doesn't get too far into the weeds because, frankly, we wouldn't know how to be that in-depth. It's for anybody who wants to join us on our journey of getting to know better the most popular sport in the world. We'll talk about the game itself, the rules, the terminology, the strategy, and we'll talk about the top club soccer league in the world, the English Premier League, its teams, its history, its players, each week's games, all of it. We're kind of learning as we go here, but we're hoping you'll share that experience with us and come along for the ride. This is Hands Off Those Balls. So Liverpool is in the top four. Leicester City is in the top four. Spurs are in the top four. But Southampton is in the top four? Chalk it up to just another thing, making 2020 the weirdest year in memory. Welcome to another edition of Hands Off Those Balls. My name is Mike. I am joined, as always, by Jared. Jared, how we doing this week? I'm doing good, Mike. How about yourself? I'm doing okay. I, I was out of town this weekend, so... Uh, Any place was, fun? Well, I was visiting my parents. They're they're doing the old, uh, as, as Jerry Seinfeld referred to it in his act, they're retired now, so they've got a place in Florida because it's the law. Uh, so they're going to be heading down there before Thanksgiving. So this was our big turkey meal, not on Thanksgiving, that we're doing in lieu of Thanksgiving proper. So it was nice. Got to see them. And, uh, Anybody else go up there from your family? No, it was just the three of us. Um, my sister and her family were a little bit too busy to uh, to do that. So these are, the, these are the luxuries you have when you're, you know, single with no kids. <laughs> so. Yeah, lucky. <laughs> you I drop think, yeah. everything on, on a dime. So uh, we've got lots to cover this week. We've got another week of matches. We've uh, we've got some some fantasy updates to provide you. Favorable. I was happy with with the fantasy performance. I, I was going to say, if uh, based on the way that that week went, this show's only going to be about ten minutes. So we're not going to be bitching the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure we can find something to complain about. Don't sell us <laughs> short. Uh, and and plenty more, but. Uh, one thing we had discussed that we wanted to talk about in a previous episode that we never really got around to uh, comes to us uh, from the championship. It's not a, uh, a Premier League team at issue this time. It's old Sheffield Wednesday, uh, which does get the nomination for one of the best names in, uh, that in is English a good name. football yeah. for my money. But uh, So a uh, little, little bit of... Uh, controversy for uh, Sheffield Wednesday. First off, uh, particularly uh, because of the, the unfortunate news that we are going to talk about a little bit later, uh, let me pose the following to you, Jared. Um, English football club Sheffield Wednesday's nickname is this nocturnal bird. 
I think it's the owls. I had it in my notes. Right, you're going to phrase it in the form of a question. What are owls? Okay, good. Yeah. Uh, yes, indeed. Uh, they are the owls. So they got themselves into a little trouble that may sound familiar to some of you who, uh, who follow uh, the Premier League or maybe even just follow the show because we've talked about it a couple of times. So uh, uh, you, will, you will undoubtedly find some similarities between what happened to Sheffield Wednesday and what happened to a high-profile Premier League team. So... In 2019, or I, I beg your pardon, in 2018, 2019, Sheffield Wednesday's owner bought the stadium. Okay, you know, in a, in a vacuum, that doesn't seem like all that odd a thing. Um, however, English Football League, to include the championship, have what they call the profitability and sustainability rules. Are we starting to hear something familiar yeah, that sounds a little familiar similar to the financial fair play regulations of uefa and and that's exactly what it is it's a similar deal where they've got these rules about how much money you can spend on things so although i guess the, the championship doesn't exactly fall under uefa um jurisdiction um but rather the english football league the efl looks at your books and they have rules to uh, you know judge whether or not you can spend as much money on players based on your you know, to use the the american term your profit and loss statement so um the owner of sheffield wednesday buys the stadium for 60 million pounds and as a result of that by applying that to the 2017 2018 books again he bought the stadium in 2018 2019 the, the following year but by applying that uh, revenue stream for Sheffield Wednesday to the 2017-2018 season, they were able to report a pre-tax profit of 2.5 million pounds. Had they not shown the sale of the uh, stadium on their 2017-2018 books, they would have had to show a pre-profit or, or correction, a pre-tax loss. Not a profit, but a pre-tax loss of 35.4 million pounds, which is a lot of cabbage. Uh, I will note here, it is yeah. for those of you keeping score at home, 60 million in revenue for selling the place, 2.5 million in profit by including it in the books for that year. But if you didn't include the 60 million in profit, how does that result in a 35.4 million loss? I have no earthly idea how accounting works. Maybe there was some mortgage that had to be paid off. I don't depreciation. I don't know. Sure, like, yeah. go with that. That's a that's a accounting sounding word. Let's, <laughs> let's say that it's a black box uh, of uh, yeah, I think uh, earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, and and uh, amortization. Isn't that some kind of accounting yeah, term? We'll go with go. that. So anyway, uh, we know exactly what we're talking about here. So the. English Football League, when they caught him doing the, the fancy bookkeeping, initially imposed on Sheffield Wednesday a whopping 12-point deduction from the standings, you know, from the table. Um, and 12 points is a lot. So Sheffield Wednesday apparently challenged that initial decision to some independent panel that the EFL uses to review these things, sort of similar to the Court of Arbitration for Sport, that... Manchester City took their sanction to um, 
earlier this year. And that uh, independent panel still found there was some uh, creative bookkeeping, but reduced their sanction from a 12-point deduction to a 6-point deduction. Uh, so now, instead of... Uh, I, I think the 12-point deduction, if, correct me if I'm wrong, resulted in them having a mere one point in the standings. Well, it, it was funny because... At one time, they were negative. Yeah, when I looked last week... They were at negative four, which is, I'm like, is this a typo? What's going on? And I checked, you know, a couple other sites. They all said negative four, which, you know, I know the equation is, uh, you know, your points is three times your number of wins plus one times your number of draws. And since wins and draws can't be negative, your points should never be negative. So that's what Losses started. don't count for negatives. Right. So how the heck yeah. do you get below zero? Um, so, yeah, they were at a negative four last week. I checked again this week. And they were at six, and I was like, well, how did they get ten points in one week when they only played two games? But the appeal process reduced the penalty from 12 to six, and that's how that worked out. So they've already taken that the, the appeal and the reduction of points. Well, but, but help me out here. You're the math guy. So if they were at minus four last week, a let's, let's pretend there was no game this week. Simply um, reversing the penalty from a 12-point deduction to a 6-point deduction would have taken them from minus 4 to two. 2. Right. So let's say they won this week and confess I have no idea if they did. They had one win and one draw in this week. So oh, they played twice. Yeah. Well, well there you go. Games, yeah. All right. Good Good research. I'm glad one of us <laughs> does their homework around here. <laughs> I always try to look into things that make me scratch my head. There you go. Bit, so. uh, I just... I just say the hell with it. I don't know and move on. Um, so, you know, a little familiar uh, tale there. The the idea of the the deep pocketed owner just throwing some cash at the uh, at the club. Now, again, this one didn't this one didn't strike me as fishy as the Manchester City one. I mean, he bought the stadium, yeah. so he's he he you know got an asset back for his money. Um, the, the Manchester City one just seemed too easy to, to tinker with. That oh, the, the Jersey deal is only twenty million. Well, if we make it forty million, then we can sign Kevin De Bruyne. Yeah. Um, so you know that one just seemed too easy to abuse. You know, he bought the stadium, but they've got these rules for a reason. I mean, it, it seems odd to us Americans that that you know Jerry Jones, although he he relied on a lot of. Uh, contribution from what is it the city of Arlington or, or you know whatever yeah. municipality uh, you know they're it's a little tricky to say they own the stadium given how much money comes from the taxpayers but but still the idea that an owner here would own not only the team but also the stadium in which they play that wouldn't offend anybody's sensibilities over here no it's it would make sense right you know so um, you know just our salary caps work differently is all uh, so. We'll see if this uh, suddenly turns Sheffield Wednesday into a, uh, a good news story that they take this uh, six points added to their score and, and make it a, a leaping off point for the rest of the season or if they turn into this corrupt team that's constantly having to be uh, inspected behind them for... Kept in check. And, yeah, yeah uh, you know, call them Houston Astros East, perhaps. <laughs> I can see I still haven't forgiven them. All right, so uh, that's the deal with Sheffield Wednesday. 
Uh, we're going to get into the individual matches uh, in uh, the second half, but one thing we did want to talk about that was rearing its ugly head all over the place in this week's matches uh, is, is, again, this matter of how challenges are being enforced by the officials in the Premier League. You know, when you have defender you know, tackling, uh, to use a, an oversimplified term and observation, tackling the player with the ball, um, you know, very often that results in a foul being called by the official. But a lot of times, either my naked eye can't tell why one challenge is any worse than another, or my naked eye says, holy cow, that guy just got assaulted. And the, the, uh, uh uh, people in the booth who know way more than I do about this stuff say, well, clearly that wasn't a, a foul on that challenge. And I don't know. I always thought that, that the simple rule was if you beat the man to the ball. That should be it. I mean. It's going to be okay. But, yeah. you know, things, are, things aren't always what they seem. At least this week they were. What did you note? Well, so basically the, the scenario I think that sort of had people up in arms this week was uh, in the Man City-Liverpool game, you know, of course, everyone was familiar with the Sadio Mane takedown because it resulted in a Mo Salah penalty kick. So that makes the highlights. And another I, Mo Salah a, penalty another kick. Another one. <laughs> Not as many as Jamie Vardy's had, <laughs> but another. Um but and I didn't realize this, and it's not included in the highlights. But about a not even a minute before that, uh, Sterling on Man City had a very similar challenge against him. Now the difference is in the way that the players handled these. Now I'm not saying Mane did anything wrong, but Sterling sort of I, I don't know if heroically is the right word, but tried his absolute best to remain upright, maintain control of the ball, and finish the play. And it was obviously a hard thing for him to do because he was able to stagger, you know, retain his balance and get it done. But he did not hit the ground and he did not get the call. So, you know, Man City fans are fuming about this inc inconsistency here. And it really highlights sort of the no-win position here for fouled players. Foulies? Is that a I'll word? We'll go with that. All victims. Right. Victims, yeah. Now, was Sterling in the box? Yeah. Mm. So, you know, if you, if you fall down... Uh, you get accused of diving, but if you try your best to stay up, you might not get the call. Right. So, you know, I'm trying to th I'm trying to consider here as as a player what what I would do and what I think the best option here is. Now, I think I can t pretty much speak for everyone when I say the worst option is when you have those questionable contact, questionable, you know, whether or not you would fall. But then when you hit the ground, you start writhing and rocking in pain, <laughs> holding, you know, a phantom. Isn't that what they, that what they all do, though? It's, well, it's, it's like scream. And th there's actually it's actually not. And I'm going to highlight a player that I think does it right. All right. But the funny thing was, is I don't know if you remember this. You and I were watching uh, an EPL game about a year ago, even before we started the show. Um, and we saw a call for simulation, if I remember yes. correctly. And I'm thinking, well, this is the first EPL game I've watched, and I've seen a half of a game, and there's already a simulation called. This, this must, must happen, happen all, all the, time. the time. And I don't think I've seen one since. I haven't. So, um, you know, it's... It's the EPL's version of the tuck rule. I guess so. <laughs> Got used once to screw whoever we were... I don't even know if we were rooting for the other team, but... You know, it's, it's like that whole thing about when we were kids. Cartoons made quicksand out to be a lot bigger problem right. than it actually <laughs> was, you know? That's... 
you know. So, and I'm not 100 percent sure what quicksand even looks like. I, I don't either. <laughs> between between cartoons and uh, heck, I think I, I uh, my mom was a big General Hospital fan. I kind of want to say that I was watching an episode of that as a kid, and there was quicksand involved somehow. <laughs> I just, so. you know, it was an episode of Archer that had quicksand. I remember. Um, so I don't even know what it looks like. Can't be what it looks like in Activision Pitfall from 1982. No, okay. you know, gradually go down <laughs> below the horizon and that's it. And it opens and closes <laughs> like a diaphragm or something. Okay. Now, I, I will say who I, you know, the type of player, um, I don't know if he always does this or if other players do this, but Grealish, I think, actually handles it pretty well. He goes to the ground confidently, but immediately turns to the ref with his hands out like, what the... Hmm. You know, goes to the ground confidently. Yes, like just right away, but you know, doesn't you know wince or start you know, you know, baby grabbing the ankle. Yeah, but you know, he turns and he goes, you know, hey, call it. And you know, when he doesn't call it, whether or not it gets called, he just pops right back up. You Mm. know, keeps playing. So I, it seems to me like that's a good way to handle it. I'm surprised at that because I, you know, call it an unfair generalization and and probably simply because of the haircut. But he he just strikes me as, as. he looks petulant to me. Is that a good word for douche? <laughs> yeah. Okay, I, I was yeah. <laughs> so I guess you see what I see. Yeah, for for sure. Yeah. Hey, uh, he's he has saved our hindquarters multiple times in fantasy, he so he I, should be our favorite player. I, I have just, nothing uh, but good things uh, to say about. Well, him. Well, you have a little bit of not good things to say about him if you're wondering if petulant means douche, but. Well, I would say he looks like one. That doesn't mean he is one. You know, it's the hairdo and the facial expressions and everything. You know, he could be the nicest guy in the world. I, I wouldn't know it, though. Um, so, yeah, and, and one of the other things that I find with the no fans in the stands, and, and even though they're still sort of pipe, piping in to the, the television broadcast feed, these sounds of crowd noise, you can still hear voices from the field, voices from the sidelines. Um and so you clearly hear on these challenges the ah when they when they you know are f- flinging their bodies to the yeah. earth to try to draw the call but to your point if they don't do it like sterling didn't do it then there's no call it's going to be tough i mean uh, it, have you ever seen a foul called where the person didn't go to ground i can't think I of can't one i can't think of one either that's why and this is this was really sort of eye-opening to me when I saw this argument that there is another side of the coin. You know, it's sort of that that whole negative bias, right? Like you don't see the calls for the the people that don't go on the ground because maybe they don't exist. I don't know. Right. And you know, even there were a couple this week where they were blatant in the sense that the the defender was was using Arms. I mean, that to me is just kind of a dead giveaway. If you're grabbing someone's shoulder and pulling them back, or oh yeah, you know yeah. The, the easy call of holding in American football. If you're tugging on the jersey, it just it, it, the official's eye is going to be drawn to it because it's unnatural to have a person's jersey triangularly sticking out from the side of their body. Similarly, these guys a couple times this week. Uh, were rightfully being called for fouls where they were using their arms to pull back a player. But again, the player did go to ground, and I'm not sure they really had to in in the sense that using the arms seems so obvious as as a foul if you're you're really adjusting the person's momentum. I think it's one thing to kind of elbow because if you're – 
sort of matching speeds between the the offensive player and the defensive player. I think they're both kind of giving each other elbow business. Yeah, it's, it's to to gain position, yeah. to gain ground. Yeah. You know, yeah. that's... like sort of give me a, an extra inch to the side yeah. of you, as opposed to reaching out, grabbing with your hand, and tugging someone's upper body. That's a that's little, that's no a little different. So, you know, did those guys have to go to ground? You wonder if maybe they did because. Official could be looking elsewhere. Official could be looking. Well, I mean, you, you would think the official wouldn't need to look at another player to see if they were getting off sides. That that should be what the um, you know lines person, the the assistant referee, not the VAR, but the you know the one with the flag. Right. What, what yeah. is there a term for that? Line, person? Linesman. Linesman. Let's go with that. Yeah. Um, you know, they would trust that that person's handling, but maybe they are looking away. I mean, maybe there are other things, you know, away from the ball that uh, that can be fouls and or, or whatnot, and they're looking at that. So the, the falling might be the only thing you can do to, to draw the call. But it is a, it's a tough line, though, because if officials were more willing to call simulation, that would make things interesting. It really would. You know, I, and it would at least hopefully solve the problem that I talked about where players go down and then start <laughs> writhing in pain and, and, and rubbing fan. And then pop fan. up a minute yeah. Later, yeah. later. You know, it, I suppose in a way, um, if, if they did call simulation more, that might sort of make their job harder. That the, the falling to ground might make their jobs a little easier at the initial stage of getting their attention so that they look to see like, okay, wait a minute, what happened there? Or if they, maybe they were watching, but you know, they were sort of on the fence. Like, yeah, I'm not sure. I got a funny angle. Oh, we went down. Oh, it probably was something. Yeah. You know? Uh, you know, let's, uh, let's, let's go to that video with the, with the triangular finger motion. Um, all right. So, anything else we want to cover on the uh, the need to flop? No, I just uh, it's an interesting topic for sure. I think it is. I, I, you know, I'm seriously now going to be looking for simulation calls, rooting for them, um, just to to watch the outrage on the player. But what choice do I have? Uh, so anyway, let's go ahead and take our break now. We'll give you the scores for this past week, and we'll give you the schedule for not next week, but two weeks from now. Uh, because next week is the international break, and we will take our own break and be right back. Here are your scores from Match Week 8 in the English Premier League. Two matches Friday as Brighton and Burnley played to a scoreless draw and Southampton blanked Newcastle 2-0. On Saturday, Man United manhandled Everton 3-1. Crystal Palace dominated Leeds 4-1. Chelsea took care of business 4-1 against Sheffield United, and Fulham missed a great opportunity to pull out a draw against West Ham by failing to convert a late penalty kick, and they ultimately fell 1-0. Sunday opened with Spurs escaping the Hawthorns with a 1-0 win over West Brom. Leicester edged Wolves 1-0. Powerhouses Man City and Liverpool drew one goal apiece, and Aston Villa topped Arsenal three goals to none. After a break for international play, Match Week 9 begins on a busy Saturday, November 21st. Newcastle hosts Chelsea, Everton visits Fulham, Southampton travels to play Wolves, West Brom heads to Old Trafford to battle Manchester United, Leicester heads Merseyside for a date with Liverpool, 
Brighton faces Aston Villa at Villa Park. Crystal Palace visits Burnley. And Tottenham Hotspur Stadium will see Man City tackle Spurs. The next day, Sunday the 22nd, sees West Ham take on Sheffield at Bramall Lane and Leeds hosting Arsenal. That's what's happening in the EPL. Now back to the show. And we're back. So lots of games to talk about this past weekend. Uh, one of the more surprising situations here, and we touched on it at the opening, is that somehow Southampton is in the top four. And if the season ended today, they'd be heading to Europe to play in the Champions League. Uh, their game this weekend played a part in that situation. Jared, what do we think about uh, Southampton's match this week against Newcastle? Well, I actually don't know what to think about this. So, <laughs> so they hosted uh, Newcastle. Uh, this was all Southampton, uh, even without Danny Ings. I was about Ings. to say, a Danny Ings yeah. was Southampton. Um, four times the amount of shots and shots on goal, double the possession. Uh, Southampton scored early in the seventh minute and never really looked back. Uh, they scored a, a second goal late in the game, and uh, McCarthy actually had one or two ridiculous saves. I mean, just flying like Superman to get something out yeah. of the top corner. Um, 2-0 was the final in this one. And as you said, I hope someone took a screen cap of the table because Southampton was alone in first place for almost 24 hours as a result of this one. And, yeah. and I believe I heard someone say first time ever. I mean, it was short-lived, but first time ever that they found themselves at the top of the table in the Premier League. I could believe it. So, um, very interesting developments. Um, we also had Crystal Palace hosting Leeds. Uh, so Patrick Bamford had a goal in this one and really should have had two. Uh, one was waved off by VAR for offsides, but again, the rationale wasn't explained, and if they were saying his outstretched arm was the infringement, that shouldn't count. Now, I, just... I, I, I am completely uh, you know, nonpartisan on this. I, I feel that I can be purely objective, notwithstanding the fact that Patrick Bamford's on our fantasy team. Having said that, uh, yes, while watching this match, I'm looking at the, the VAR replay, that sort of freeze frame they do with the lines and, and moving the lines to where uh, everybody's positioned at the moment that the pass is kicked. And I saw just hand, you know, arm that beyond was it. the line, and I'm saying, well... Hey, Jared taught me well. That shouldn't be an offsides. We're good. Apparently, I didn't teach you well. <laughs> well, I don't think you're the only one who was outraged by that. So um, give, give yourself a little more credit for your, your teaching skills. Yeah. Um, otherwise, though, this one was all Crystal Palace. 4-1 uh, to one was the final, including, of course, a goal from recently released <laughs> fantasy forward Jordan Ayew. Um, <laughs> You know, and, and what actually well, Ings is, is dying in the <laughs> hospital. We, we release Ayu because we're sick and tired of him like blowing penalties and stuff and he just promptly kicks a goal. That's that's life, folks. And uh, actually had one of the weirdest uh, own goals I've ever seen. I don't know if you saw this. Certainly yeah. one of the longest. Uh, outside the box on the left side near the end line. I have no idea how he got the angle on it. Well, that's at just, all. You know? See, I I was saying I have no idea how we got the ang how the the, um, uh, the, the, the uh, having a brain fart on whom Crystal Palace was playing. They were playing Leeds. I was having a brain fart trying to figure out like, okay, how did the Crystal Palace guy have the angle on this? I'm like, oh, because it hit a Leeds player. That's how we had the angle on it. I mean, from where he was, where the the 
Crystal Palace player was it was a it was a cross. It wasn't a shot. Uh, that's right. So uh, is it Mesli? How do you pronounce that? Oh, I see. I've heard both. I mean, it's spelled you know M E S L I E R. So I had heard people say Meslier, but now I'm exclusively hearing Melier. All right, well, Melier may have been actually out far expecting the cross, but when it actually ricocheted in, Mm -hmm. he was too far out to to cut it off, and it just kind of creeps in there, yeah. Um, Again, I'm getting a little bit worried about Leeds. Uh, I've been one of their biggest proponents, but uh, this loss actually drops them to 15. I saw that. Um, They've they've lost three of four, Um, so... You uh, you doped them into uh, Europe ball, I believe, right? Yeah, that we'll sounds see. familiar. That the kiss of death continues. <laughs> uh, I, I, I'll send them an apology note if things don't turn around for them. Uh, we also have West Ham hosting Fulham. Um, so, just some <laughs> disclosure: I'd actually received word that there was a seriously controversial sequence at the end of this game before I had even had a chance to review it. I looked at the stats, uh, pretty even and competitive. No, because this was a peacock match, right? Uh, yes, I think it was. So yeah, because the, the I received the same information because I hadn't seen it live for the same reason. You know, and I look. There's no red cards, only two yellow cards apiece. So, what could have happened in this game, mm. right? Um, you know, it's it's pretty uneventful. Um, uh, Socek finally breaks through for West Ham in the 91st minute. Uh, I will mention, though, in the 13-minute high- highlight reel, this 91st-minute goal happened at minute eight. So there were still five minutes. I thought of the same highlights. thing. I'm yeah. like, what could possibly yeah, be I, happening? We're, we're over, right? Like, <laughs> is this um, a 10-minute long highlight reel? Yeah. So um, the controversial sequence, as it starts, uh, starts in the last minute of stoppage time. This was the 94th minute. Um, sort of a questionable West Ham challenge in the box. Um, Appeared to be a little iffy, but it was reviewed by uh, VAR, and the penalty kick to Fulham was awarded. Um, When they were setting up, however, several West Ham players refused to disperse from the point where the penalty kick is taken. I think Diop on West Ham actually gets a yellow card for delay. I guess that's an intimidation tactic, something like that. Yeah, I would draw the analogy to the old... Uh, okay, football team, American football team is about to kick the game-winning field goal. Yeah, and free, opposing, freeze the kicker. Yeah, Iceland, opposing yeah. Man, uh, coach calls a timeout to make him think about it. Um, I will say, though, that I knew the final score going in, um, so the result was somewhat spoiled for me. I knew that, you know, because of the score, I knew whether or not the penalty kick was missed or made. Um, Lookman actually was called on to make this penalty kick, um, and he did miss it, and it was in spectacular yeah. fashion. It was, we've talked about the, yeah. the old Diego Maradona you know, technique back in, in 86 and 90, and this was uh, worse. I mean, it was a, it was a little slow 10-yard chip attempt. Uh, keeper looked like he was going to make a move but didn't, and it just easily caught yeah. it. I mean, that was... I, he, Correct me if I'm wrong, I believe he caught it with one hand. Uh, yes. Um, <laughs> and caught it, not deflected it with one hand. Caught it with one hand. Um, you know, another time and a place this may have worked, but for this one, it just looked feeble and preposterous. In a way, like, the only way, I was thinking about it, the only way it would have worked is if the, the goalie did the wrong, th- if the goalie violated the rule about staying on the line, right? Like, if he had leapt early. That's That's actually a good point. I mean, if he had decided he was going to dive to his left 
immediately when the ball was touched. That may have worked then too, yeah. but um, yeah, just Weird. just ugly. chess match. Um, oh, and I learned another. Uh, I guess I'm going to call them Britism for on this one. Okay. Uh, the announcer referred to it as diabolical. Now, yes, over here. That specifically means uh, related to or in reference to the devil. Mm -hmm. um, I guess in Britain, though, it can be disgracefully bad or unpleasant. Right. So, like yeah. it, it would be, I, I think here we would use diabolical if it worked. That'd be, oh, oh right, that like, was so genius and yeah. evil of him to even conjure up the thought of doing something like that. Whereas over there, it's like, <laughs> like oh, you suck. <laughs> Terrible. It's diabolical. Oh, boy. Our, uh, our former... Our former British overlords, huh? Yeah, tough, tough loss for uh, Fulham on that one, though. Um, Sunday we have West Brom hosting Spurs. Uh, did you like those uh, yellow jerseys for the Spurs? I did not. I I didn't even know that was part of their colors. Nor did I. I. I was, you know, who's who here, and you know they give you the the cue in the scoreboard in the upper left hand corner. The the color of your team's abbreviation is the color jersey, and I'm like, well, they can't have this right because that's not a real color that that Spurs have. I didn't like it. Yeah. Um, so we talked about, I think it was a week or two ago, the adjective Spursy. Mm. Um, that's where, uh, if I've correctly summarized this here, uh, it's the Spurs' innate ability to grab defeat from the jaws of victory in the closing minutes. We mentioned they if already not, lead the league. not defeat, a, a draw. Draw, like a, yeah. like a heartbreaking draw against an inferior team that they really should have beaten and they just squander two points. That they may have been at home against. In the final yeah. minute, yeah. I mean, we'd already said that they had led the league in goals conceded in the final, uh, you know, 15 minutes, I yeah. think. Well, this game then was the unspursy because just a really well-fought, well-competed match um, until Harry Kane finally broke through in, in final stoppage time for the 1-0 win. Now, you had a different opinion of this, right? Well, I, I just, it was, it was frustrating to watch because I just, I felt they were the better team. I felt they were... They were playing better. My my gripe had, you know, mostly had to do with, you know, I just, I didn't feel that the midfielders were doing a good job passing. You know, that it was, some of the passes were just a little bit clumsy. Yeah. Uh, trying to set up, particularly counters. Those were the times, like you could see, oh, you know, there's a lot of unmanned field, um, you know, that that Spurs could have utilized. Uh, that uh, West Brom wasn't covering, and you know, before they're able to kick the long pass to Sone or to Kane, they botched you know, the intermediate pass. So it was just, it was frustrating. I was obviously very excited when Kane did finally score, and if I'm not mistaken, he has joined the exclusive club of players who have 150, 150. Premier League goals. Yeah. So uh, good right. on Harry Kane. Congratulations, Congratulations. for that yeah. one. So uh, um, who's yeah. next? Yeah, so um, Spurs win four or five. Um, Leicester hosting Wolves. Uh, we joke about the ineffectiveness of our Wolves players from a fantasy perspective, and newly acquired Pedro Nito is no exception. No, he's not. But we should also note the comedy here that our opponent this is the first week uh, that we've played without having Adama Traore in our starting lineup. We had him from week one, and he really hadn't done much, but we kept the faith. And started him every week, and then last week we transferred him out for Nato. Just we were tired of it. Um, and as it turns out, the very first uh, fantasy matchup we have po in the post Traore era, our opponent has Traore, 
At which point, I am convinced Treyor is going to get three <laughs> we're, assists we're doomed. and a clean sheet. Uh, uh, just, you know, the worst possible result. But as it turned out, he didn't even start. So, yeah. Um, keeping that, things, that's probably going to be the norm. That, yeah. Um, keeping things real to the uh, EPL, though, Wolves, I think, really got effed on this one, plain and simple. Yeah. Um, it's kind of a bummer. Uh, yeah. Ridiculously stupid handball call on a really hard shot from Prate on Leicester. Um, there was really nowhere for Wolves defender Kilman to put his hand. I mean, he was only a few feet away. Um, that's a that's an awesome name, by the way. Kilman, Killman. Kill yeah, he's the Killman. No, yeah. it was it was a completely bogus call. The uh, the analyst in the booth frequently was noting that it was a bogus call. There's no, nothing you could do with your hands other than that. Uh, Robbie Musto in uh, in the studio during halftime was outraged. You know what? What they mentioned was uh, that the the official on the field, the ref who went to look at the monitor, was only looking at it in slow motion and not at real speed. And that in slow motion, all you're going to see is, well, did the ball hit his hand? You know, you're not going to get a feel for sort of natural body movements. And what he was yeah. doing was going from a high speed run to trying to stop himself and what do your arms do when you try to stop yourself when they, you they go out they, to counterbalance mm -hmm, right unless you want to go flying and land on your chin your yeah. arms are going to go out so it was a totally natural move and i think his arm was out before the ball was kicked it just was blasted from two meters away meters so I'm, I'm quoting the guy <laughs> who was calling the game you know i was six feet away and I defy anybody with, you know, who, who doesn't have the the responses of the, uh, the 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 characters in that Angelina Jolie movie where they were making the bullets go around corners with Morgan wanted. Freeman. Wanted, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I want you to curve the bullet. Yeah, <laughs> short of having those sorts of reflexes, I really don't think there's anything you could do in this situation. But you know, that's just me. Um, Vardy converts the penalty kick, which I'm sure everyone could have guessed. Um, yes, because our opponent had Vardy yeah. as his captain. Uh, he actually missed one later in the half, which, which was, was pretty pretty rare, yeah. But, um, you know, this is otherwise really good even match. Uh, goes Leicester's way just on an indefensibly bad handball call. So, um, Fortunately, there have been fewer of those. Yeah, they, it, was, it was awful the first four or five weeks. But um, they did note that this particular ref has called the most of them so yeah. you know is this his particular maybe we need to keep an eye out it was the it was one of the bald guys well weren't you telling me too that lester leads the league in handball calls four with seven more than like double the second team which is three i can't remember right. it was something along those yeah. lines yeah it, because i looked it up because i was saying geez i feel like i've watched vardy kick was it handball penalties or just penalties i think it might it have just been maybe just penalties. penalties i don't know i feel like i've watched vardy kick a ton of penalties this year and so I looked it up and yeah like that was his seventh and like, okay yeah that's that's one way to get the golden boot you know, it's pretty hard to yeah. to beat the guy who keeps getting you know what what you might call the easiest way to score but there were three missed penalties this week that's pretty rare yeah um, so, I mean I don't remember the last miss we saw so maybe if you added up the whole season it, it comes out to the right percentage but well, K KDB actually missed the goal. Like, I I don't know the last time I've seen that. 
the airmail type of mist? They were no, it was on, on the ground, on target, on the ground, low and wide. Oh, just, yeah. Hmm. Um, anyway, that maybe that's a good time to talk about Man, uh, Man City hosting Liverpool, but not a lot of offense on this one. And we talked about the uh, Mane takedown and the Mo Salah goal. Um, Jesus equalizes a little bit later, um, and then as I mentioned, uh, KDB missed a penalty kick wide right. Um, actually, I think it was wide left, but uh, it looks like it may have been drizzling. Maybe that had something to do with it. Um, again, though, I wanted to say something about this game with the angle of what they were showing the penalty kicks, and I absolutely loved it. Normally, they do, they do the wide angle side pan. Right. You know, this they had almost like a sky cam. From behind, oh, and it almost like looked like from a fish. Behind, yeah. Excuse I, and me, I, and I just a baking really powder because I feel like you could get. <laughs> we got to save that drop. Whoa, wow! <laughs> Did I just hear that? Right. <laughs> I like the camera angle from behind the goal. That's what I was saying. If anyone is confused, that's what I was saying. Um, anyways, I like that a lot better. I hope we see more of it. Um, one one was the final in this one. And then the last game of the weekend was Arsenal hosting uh, Villa. Uh, Villa gets a first-minute goal and a Grealish assist waved off due to VAR review. Uh, offsides, it was clearly offsides, no problem there. Uh, but they really came out strong and take this one 3-0. There was an Arsenal own goal in this one in the first half. And then Watkins has two goals in the second half for Villa. Um, he had a hat trick early, earlier in the year, and I think he's up to six already. And I don't even think he's played a full year. Um, so, uh, Villa, pretty good season just in itself. Yeah, uh, Villa gets back on track after losing two in a row, and Arsenal drops to the bottom half of the table, joining Manchester United as the only two big six teams yeah. still in the bottom half. So, um, that's all the action there, though. So, yeah, the uh, you can't believe that Manchester United is going to stay down, you know, forever, but it's. It's making you wonder sometimes. I mean, they, they played well this week. Um, and, and our boy uh, Bruno Fernandez you know, almost single-handedly won the week in fantasy for us because yeah. uh, although we did not have him as our captain, we had Sadio Mane as our captain. Um, you know, Mane got an assist, and he played full minutes and stayed out of trouble, so that was good. Um, you know, but uh, Fernandez got us like 14 points but, you know, between – uh, goals and playing time, and he got, gets bonus points for being one of the, the best players in, in that particular game. So um, that all worked out all right. We had um, uh, good performances by Lamptey and Ryan, the Ryan. Uh, Brighton goalie, because they both got points for clean sheets. So you got to like that. I feel like this is the first time we legitimately picked the right goalie. I think you're yeah. right. Yeah. Um, and I'm I'm okay with leaving Lamptey in permanently until he gets injured because he's, yeah. you know, a, a victim of being on our team. Um, but I just I, – I like the way he plays. Um, you know, maybe we need to look at, at picking up a couple of these defenders who, who we're not picking so much for the possibility of them providing offense, but rather they're on teams that get more clean sheets. I am getting a little bit tired of the ease with which this weekend notwithstanding – Brighton gives up goals, and, and so you miss out on clean sheet opportunities. Yeah, I'm, re I'm really tired of the players that are just getting exactly one or two points. Ugh, it's God. just... Ugh. Such as Trent Alexander-Arnold, yeah. who, I suppose we should mention, was taken off the field with some sort of calf injury. Um, 
He's probably going to be taking off the hands off those balls fantasy team while he's at it. Um, injury or none, but uh, we're going to have to keep an eye on that. Fortunately, he's going to have uh, some time off because of the international break. Uh, and, you know, best wishes for a speedy recovery for him. Um, all right, there's really, and so with that win for the fantasy team, I think we're back above 500. I want to say we're fourth, using the, the American way of providing a record, four, three, and one. Four wins, three losses, one draw. I think that's right, yeah. yeah. So For some reason, the Brits would call it 4-1-3, and I find it very confusing when they do that. Yeah. But, you know. I mean, I think we had the most points of our head-to-head uh, teams this week at 61, which is pretty good. I don't think anyone had more than that. Really? So, I, yeah. That's something I didn't check. Now, I think um, I think more people had more in the, the points one because there's more teams. Sure, but, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, that's, hey, we've yeah. got the right, uh, uh, the right trend. Okay, the one other thing we, uh, we wanted to discuss for this week, um, we actually lost a, a few famous people this week, uh, not sports-related, not Premier League-related. Uh, past week, uh, Academy Award winner Sean Connery passed away, obviously from uh, the first James Bond movies, arguably the best Bond. I would be in that camp. Um, but I also loved him in uh, Hunt for Red October and The Untouchables, for which he won Best Supporting Actor. Um, so The Rock. Can't forget The Rock. It, he nah. did not win an Academy Award no, for The Rock, but, but that's, that's that is a, a crime that he yes. didn't because he was excellent in that. Um, yeah, so um, all the best to his family. And just a couple of days ago, um, we lost Alex Trebek at the age of 80. Uh, longtime host of the game show Jeopardy, um, and he, he had. Ho- I tried, you know, figuring out sort of very quickly in my head. You know, wait a minute, he's been doing this since like the early '80s. How many games must he have have hosted? And I saw somewhere that it was over eight thousand. It's a lot of games. It's a I lot mean, of games. He started in '84. When you so. think about it, it's sixty-one questions per game. Too. How many questions is it? You know. Yeah, that's true. And, um, um, you know, he rarely, if ever, you know, botched. Now, the show isn't live, but I doubt there's there's much they can do if he does botch a question. You can't, like, okay, contestants, let me read it again, yeah. you know, because now they all know what it is. Well, <laughs> they the, saw the fun- it on the screen. I mean, I, I would watch this every night when I was at my mom's house, and it was 7 o'clock, and he would get, like, the enunciation on foreign words perfect oh yeah i mean just always i never saw him i don't think make an error no of any kind i mean he could he could sometimes sound a, a little bit like a know-it-all in in some of that pronunciation sometimes you know at least this is the excuse i give around here with us trying to pronounce names sometimes it's a little endearing when you uh when you botch a name yeah. pronunciation right that's our excuse uh but he never would because he would do his homework ahead of time um little known fact here i uh I don't know that I could actually say that I met the man, but I spoke to him um, because I went to a contestant search for the teen tournament as a, as a youngster. Really? Did I ever tell you this story? No, so, I didn't hear this. So first off, though, but before getting to that part, I need to, to tell you that I take credit for the existence of the Jeopardy teen tournament, and I will tell you why. A very you know, young whippersnapper, 7th grader, 8th grader, something like that. Mike uh, was watching Jeopardy as he did every night as a kid because he was a dork. And he watches a match in which he is convinced that one of the players got credit 
for um, you know providing the the you know answer question. You know how they do it. You know, phrase it in the form of a question. But that right. this guy did not phrase it in the form of a question. You know, he buzzed in. He said Australia or whatever it was, but didn't say what is Australia. I was positive. Uh, this is pre-TiVo, pre-DVR, so there was no way for me to rewind and, and see if I was right. And so that night, I go to my mother's electric typewriter. Again, we, we are dating ourselves here. I'll say. This, this might have been like season three of the show. This was early. So I go to the electric typewriter, and I typed a letter to Jeopardy. And, you know, they always used to give the, the mailing address for sending a postcard in for their contestant searches. So the address was always at the end of the show. I'd watch the show enough. I had probably had it committed to memory at the time. And so I mailed in this letter saying, I think you need to look at the tape from this particular episode. And I had the names of the contestants. You know, he was asked this. He responded this way. I don't think he answered in the form of a question. P.S. Have you ever considered having a teen week? like you do with Wheel of Fortune. And I think I even used the second person because Jeopardy and Wheel of Fortune were both properties of Merv Griffin Enterprise, And they were back-to-back for yeah. decades, right? Yeah. So, you know, I, I was like, oh, you all fall under the same umbrella. Why don't you have a teen week like they have for Wheel? I, I put that in the PS. So, drop the letter in the mail. Don't really expect anything back. Fast forward a couple of weeks. I get a response. And it's signed in ink by Alex. No joke. Wow. So, um, you know, reading this, and he's saying, it's probably phony, but he's saying, you know, we take all these inquiries seriously. We pulled the tape and we reviewed it, but we came to the conclusion with our judges that uh, the contestant slurred what is before, so that was his word, slurred um, before you know, Australia. I'm, I'm making up Australia as being the, the you know, operative part of the answer right i don't remember exactly what it was but uh so he said they looked it up and and ruled that it was fine i mean i don't know what they could have done if if i've seen them reverse decisions mid-episode i've never seen them do it daily yeah um so i was you know again a little dork and i was excited i had a you know ink signature back from alex and that was pretty cool now they didn't mention anything in that letter about my proposal that they have a teen week but that year Watch, I'm watching the show, and they say, "Are you a you know a student age fourteen to nineteen? If you are, send in a postcard for our brand new teen tournament. I called it Teen Week because that's what Wheel called it. Right. They're calling it the Teen Tournament. Teen turn- Tournament. So yeah. I mail in a postcard, and I get a response saying, "Come on up to um, one of the you know like W." It wasn't WLVI, but it was one of the Boston TV stations to um, try out, to test and to try out. You got to take a written test first, and then they have, you know, sort of mock games where instead of a buzzer, they were using literally like the front desk bell. Um, (laughs) And, you know, that's more where they're trying to sort of evaluate everybody's personality and see if they've got stage presence, camera presence, whatever you want to call it. But the first step is you got to pass the written test. So... We all get up there. Everybody's in high school. I'm in eighth grade. So already I'm like, oh, no, everybody here is older than me. They're going to, you know. So we take the test. And while the tests are being graded, we're told there's a guest who wants to come in and talk to us. And in walks Alex Trebek. 
And the first thing he says is, okay, listen, they're, they're grading your written tests right now. I have some advice for you. Unfortunately, we can't take everybody. We wish we could, but we can't. So for those of you who are given the unfortunate news that you didn't pass the test, here's my recommendation. Tell everybody that you failed it by one question. So, Because we're not yeah. going to give you your, your actual, it's just a go, no-go. We're not going to tell you you got you know 19 out of 100. So... For all you know, you did fail by one by question. One. Yeah. So just tell everybody that. That way, you know, they'll they'll be more impressed. And then he fielded questions. And I asked one. And so I was talking to Alex Trebek. And, you know, he, What'd you ask I, him? I, I, I asked him. I remember him guest hosting for Pat Sajak on Wheel of Fortune. And so I asked him, you know, sort of with that as, as the setup. I remember seeing you hosting for, for Pat Sajak one time. Have you all ever had a guest host on Jeopardy and who was it? And he said, we haven't, and we haven't thought of who it would be. Um, and I'm not sure he had one for like decades. I think Ken Jennings might have filled in or something sort of as a goof. Oh, lately. yeah. Um, but, um, you know, he was considerate to my, you know, snot nose stupid question. And, uh, you know, well, that's good. It's a good right. guy. Yeah, it's a and, good story. Yeah. Well, well, I appreciate the kudos, <laughs> but uh, it, it's it's certainly sad. He, he had uh, you know told the world last year about his uh, pancreatic cancer and that he was fighting it, and he was. He, I mean, the guy was filming episodes. I think he was filming episodes up through last week. So, well, that's what I was going to ask because I saw some you know Jeopardy as as recent as last Thursday. Well, remember, they taped them weeks in advance. Well, that's true. But, the, you know, the DVR said it was a new episode. Yeah. You know, they weren't showing. They I have think been. they've got enough in the can to get them through, like, December. Oh, so we're going to be seeing him? Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of... Well, yeah. I don't know. It'll be kind of a nice way to say farewell, to yeah. see him doing, you know, the thing that he clearly loved. You yeah. Know, he did it for 34 years and, and did it better than anybody. So, uh, again, all the best to his family. And uh, rest in peace, Alex. You're going to be missed. So with that, we will wrap things up. As we noted earlier, uh, there's going to be the international break next week, so there won't be any games uh, next week. So we figure we'll take a week off ourselves, and we will join you again in two weeks. So we look forward to talking at you in two weeks. Thanks for tuning in. We don't have a show if not for you, so... We appreciate that, and we will talk with you all in two weeks. Take care, everybody.